Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions, extraordinary events, and the people that make them happen. I'm Kim. And I'm Ted. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you got to hear our last episode, which was on... The Shy Diderot. Oh, yeah, the Shy Diderot. I, I forgot how to say that word. Right. Chicago's Chicago. Shy Diderot, which yeah. is a shopping cart race five miles throughout the city streets of Chicago with people wearing amazing costumes and acting the fool. It's and fantastic. raising money for a great cause. Yep, for food insecurity all across the greater Chicago area. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yep. And if you haven't heard it, go back and check it out and we recommend you use CastBox. We both use CastBox. We love it and we're supported by CastBox. So go use them and check it out. Yep. Absolutely big fans. So today we have something new for you we want to try out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're going to call this Two Tales and a Talk. You That's like a, that? I like that. Yeah. It's very illiterate. Uh-huh. So we have a couple of stories from Ted that he's going to tell us about. I'm not sure what they are yet and I'm really excited to hear them. And then coming up also, we are going to have an interview with one of the coordinators of Baltimore's own small foods party. Awesome. This is a whole new way for us to do this. So let's see how it goes. All right. Sounds good. So Ted, what do you have to tell me about? All right. Well, today, Kim, I would like to tell you about the wonderful world of worm charming. Worms? Worms. <laughs> like Worms. Yeah. Little worms, earthworms. All right. What does that mean? Worm charming? Well, worm charming is the act or endeavor of trying to coax worms to come up out of the ground. Wikipedia says worm charming, worm grunting, or worm fiddling, these are all things you can call it, are methods of attracting earthworms from the ground. The activity is usually performed to collect bait for fishing, but can also take the form of a competitive sport. Is it regional, like parts of the world that do this more than others? Places with worms. <laughs> Which is everywhere, I would assume, right? <laughs> are there worms in the desert? I don't know. But I know that um, they do in Texas for fishing, and they have competitions there, but also merry old England. Of course Those, they do. Bless their little hearts. How does yeah. that competition work? Well, in the town of Black Houghton, which is a village in Devon, England, uh, this is in the southern part of England, they hold the Black Houghton International Festival of Worm Charming. Started back in 1983. Two blokes left a bar. One of them was peeing on the ground and a bunch of worms came up. No. Yeah. yeah. No. He, he figured he had a skill. He's like, I'm really good at this. That's insane. So he's like, let's start a competition. Well, you know, these are things, that's how these things happen. There's uh, got to be other ways to get worms out of the ground. Well, there are. And okay. we'll get to that. All right. So the first competition was held in 1984 and soon became a very important part of the village and has grown every year since then. It used to be a grown-up events, but in 2005, they started adding an 11-year-old and under division. May I pause you? Sure. So right now, all I'm visualizing is men peeing on the ground to get worms out. Could you go ahead and clarify or sure. promise me at least that they're getting these worms in a different way as well? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So there are many, many wonderful ways to get worms out of the ground. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. One popular method is banging on the ground with like a pitchfork and encouraging the worms to come up. So you put a pitchfork in the ground and you bang on the pitchfork and the vibrations scare the worms and they go, ah, ah. I'm going to go to the surface. <laughs> it's safety up there. Um, little do they know. Little do they know. They're going to end up on a fish hook. Yeah. So people also beat drums. They put music, like speakers down on the ground. One lady even tap dances on wow. a board. So vibrations are vibration, a big deal. Yeah. She tap dances to the Star Wars theme. Oh. She thinks that's the magic way to, but she's never won. But good for her for trying. Also, May the force be with her. Yes, exactly. Um, using liquids to get them up is a thing. As we mentioned peeing is sure. one but you can't really do that in a festival no good i'm glad no, that's no. not part of the festival so you are officially saying that yes i am officially saying wonderful that. yes 
Uh, but you, some people pour beer on the ground or sugar water or water. One thing is you can't use anything toxic. Uh, they don't want to hurt the worms. So no vinegar. And in order to kind of keep an eye on this, you have to take a swig of whatever liquid you want to pour on that ground. So, so a judge walks by and it's like, you're going to pour that on the ground. Drink it. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Somehow, I like a good old fashioned yeah, dare. But, yeah. <laughs> but somehow urine still gets in there. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gross. Ritz. Gross, gross. So yeah. how does um how does the competition break down? I'm going for quantity of worms. You're going for quantity of worms. Okay. Yes. The record was set in nineteen eighty six with hundred and forty nine worms. Wow. Yeah. The lowest wow. yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of charming. You gotta be very charming for that. The lowest number of worms was nineteen. So you know, for varies. a winner. For a winner. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So something about, I guess, different years, there's more worms than others mm-hmm. because this is so. the same location. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah I believe so. I Interesting. Believe so. Yeah. so I wonder if the weather has something to do with I it. I bet. Yeah. And, you know, the yearly weather, you know, if it's mm-hmm. a wet winter or whatever. It happens in May over there. So, yeah, it could be the that they had a wet winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So let me tell you a little more about the event. Okay. Okay. So here are the rules. Each team comprises of three members, a charmerer, a pickerer, and a counterer. A pickerer? A pickerer. That is actually <laughs> how it's said. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you can probably guess what those people do. Yes. Yeah. One charms. One picks. And one counts. Love it. Yeah. Um, no digging or forking around. You can't dig holes. You can't, you know, skim off the top of the fork. Um, no so you ho- just have to coax them out. You just coax. You just charm them. I love yep. it. Yep. Um, and it's harder than it sounds because you got to wait till they come fully out. Because if you grab one too fast, it'll snap in half. Or if oh. it's not all the way out, it'll snap in half. Oh, yeah. and they don't seem to want to harm the worms. No, you don't so. want to harm the worms. Those oh. half worms don't count. So as I said, no harmful liquids to be poured on the plots. Teams get five minutes for warming up. No, wait. Teams get five minutes for warming up. Warming up. Warming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write that one. Um, and then 15 minutes for the actual worm charming. So I guess they can jump in, bounce around for five minutes and then they get to it. Um, any team or competitor caught cheating will be publicly humiliated and almost certainly disqualified. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have any examples of how they humiliate people? I do not, but I have an example of cheating. Tell me. One man came in there with his pants full of worms. Oh no. Yeah. And they fall out of his pant leg and on the ground, he's like, I've caught a worm. That is dedication. He was humiliated and disqualified. Yeah. Yeah, never to come back. Good. Yeah, good for him. Who are these judges? The judges are, there's a worm master. He presides over the whole festival. Okay. Okay. Um, There's an official cheat, and he tempts entrants by offering them worms so that they can cheat. Oh, I love it. So there's a little bit of cheating encouraged. A little bit of cheating, but yeah, it's very vague. He's Hmm. supposed to tempt you, and you're not supposed to do it. There is Old Father Worm Charming. He offers advice and guidance to would-be worm charmers. One of the judges. And then there's the international judge who is the rule of law, all things to do with arbitration in the worm charming disputes. Are there disputes? I guess there has to be because there's a judge. Serious business over there. And finally, all worms must be returned to the ground after the competition. And do they dig a hole for them or do they just plop them on top of the land and say, do your thing, worm? Well, I did read they do do it at night. So the birds don't get to them. Oh, that's so smart. So you mentioned it's a festival. Are there other festive things going on? There are. So at the Worm Charming Competition, they highly recommend fancy dress, Mm. as we love. And not only do the teams participate in the fancy dress, but the spectators participate in the fancy dress. Oh my gosh, that's killer. And is there a theme to this fancy dress or just they want fun, crazy costumes? 
Um, I have seen that there have been themes. Like one I saw was 70s Medical Night or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds very specific. But yeah, so there are themes. Okay. Um, they give an award out to one award to the teams, and then they give a special prize to a spectator who has a good dress. So in addition to the that competition, they also give a, so they have fancy dress competition. They have the warm charming competition, and they have the best name of the teams. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, there's a beer fest. Fun. And there's music. Awesome. There's food. There's a dog show. You mentioned that. What does that mean? Well, there's a fancy dress award for dogs. Um, there's partnership between dog and handler. There's an award for the most joyful dog. Oh. Award for the most beautiful eyes, the most wonderful ears, the most excellent coat, and the waggiest tail. Oh, my gosh. That's adorable. Yeah. I and love the, it. And out of all those winners, there's the best in show. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. So you also mentioned that there's awards for the best team names. Yes. Can you hit me with some team names? Yes. And they're not that funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 69ers. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Worm and the Wigglers. I love that. Stephen Hawking's football boot. No, I don't. Why? Cheeky Monkeys. (laughs) Well, check this out. Cheeky Monkeys won one year. Uh Uh-huh. And they were there. The team was made up of three and four year olds. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and they beat all the adults. They weren't. That wasn't the kid category. No, that was they, the, they won the wow. kid category. They won the whole thing. Wow! Yeah, worms like kids. Yeah, like then I guess they picked thirty-eight worms. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, and then the next year, another team called the Olympixies, who were also under 11s, they won that year with one hundred and two worms, beat all the adults. Wow! It's so, so varied. It's anyone's game, Kim. <laughs> Whoever picks the most worms, the winner. Charms, not pets, charms, right? Charms, yes. Whoever yes. charms the most worms. Love it. Yeah. So I mentioned that, oh, there's also donkey rides. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Random. <laughs> Random. Yeah. There's dogs, there's donkeys, and there's worms. What a fun event. Yeah. Totally. Are there prizes? There is a trophy, and it looks like a worm. Outstanding. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that's for the overall worm charming competition. For the fancy dress, I think you get a medal. Right on. Yeah. Can you tell me a little more about the town that it takes place in? Well, Black Houghton is a small town um, in Devon, which is in the southern part of England. Okay. It's west of Dartmouth, which is not where the college is, I found out. Good yep. research. Yep. Thank you. Um, and I think this is the, the biggest thing that happens there all yeah. year. Yeah. I love these small English mm-hmm. towns. Yep. They put on these crazy competitions. Now, this one happens every May on May Day, the Sunday of May Day. I guess that's a bank holiday over there. And you know what's even more exciting than that? What? This is not the only British town that has a worm charming competition. Really? Yes. It's a thing. It's a thing. That's wonderful. So I was, as I was wrapping up my, my research on this one, I was looking at videos and stuff to watch the worm charming. Um, and I discovered that there's a town called Williston in the northern part of England that has been doing this since 1980. Wow. So they actually doing it longer than Black Houghton. But I started with Black Houghton, so I went with them first. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand that. Yeah. Poetic license. Is that what it's called? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? What the hell? Um, theirs is a little bit different, but not too much. They have three square meters to charm worms from. They have the world record for the most worms ever charmed. How many? 567. <laughs> Shut it. By a 10-year-old girl. That's insanity. Yeah. Kids have the magic touch. What? They are so. Do, do you know worms. like what she was doing? No, I do not. I hope she wasn't peeing. Right, <laughs> oh, not either. <laughs> That's a lot of pee. That's a lot of pee. <laughs> Way too much pee for a ten-year-old girl to to do. No doubt. 
But they also give a word for the largest specimen. I love that. The biggest worm. Yeah. Do you know how large? I do not know how large. How large do you think? Like as big as my hand, my forearm, my mm. leg, maybe my pinky. Probably your pinky. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen the worms? I've seen worms outside my house that are literally like almost a foot long. Yeah. I thought they were snakes. Yeah. Really are they thin not? snakes. But are they snakes? No, they're worms. They really are yeah. worms? I can't believe they get that long. I don't know. I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah. We're, um, we're in Georgia. We're in the city though, in yeah. Atlanta. And yeah, I see them in my yard too. Yeah. I just assumed they were snakes. Nope. You know what we should do? What? We should find that 10 year old girl who charmed the 567 <laughs> worms, have her come over here, charm our worms, and we'll research them. Do you like worms? Are you a worm person? I, I don't like worms. Mm-hmm. You like I, dirt? I don't like dirt. Yeah. I'm okay with dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. That's the most wholesome way to get dirty in England. I love it. <laughs> the Black Houghton International Festival of Worm Charming takes place every May in Black Houghton, England. It's time to parlay with a participant. That's right. So with this new format, we still want to be able to incorporate an interview, make sure that you guys get to know some of these fantastic competitors and organizers. And so today I've got a great event to tell you about. All right. It's called the Small Foods Party. It takes place every February in Baltimore and chefs from all over the city gather and create minuscule masterpieces. And when I say minuscule, I am talking tiny. Picture a taco the size of your thumbnail. (laughs) Really? It's truly amazing, but I can't tell it as well as Autumn can. She's one of the organizers of the Small Foods Party. It's happening actually this coming weekend. So take it away, Autumn. My name is Autumn Bro. I am one of the Small Foods Organizers, a party occurring in Baltimore, Maryland. I have been an organizer of the event for the last 10 of its 14 years. Wow, 14 years. And you've been along for a a large part of that. Yes. (laughs) So going back a little bit before you came on board, how did this get started? So 14 years ago, a group of friends uh, in Baltimore uh, were just having a a little hors d'oeuvres party near the holidays. And somebody decided it was a good idea to see uh, who could make the best version of a tiny food for the hors d'oeuvres party. And then the, the party just grew and grew from there. They continued their event for several years just at people's houses. Um, and then they started adding more people to the attendee list. And it sort of got out of control um, with respect to the venue. So then they moved to a larger venue. Um, and the, the event just kept growing and growing. And now it's you know, lots of people we don't know, not just those <laughs> core group of friends. <laughs> That's very cool, though. So let's talk about these tiny foods. They are, are they all supposed to be like representative of a different larger food? That's right. So one good example, actually, this this example won our grand prize several years ago. A woman made uh, pulled pork sandwiches on tiny biscuits. So she handmade these little biscuits. They were the size of a quarter each, halved them and filled them with pulled pork. And that was her entry. The size of a quarter. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so we have people uh, who take their entries to the extreme. I, so I, I will uh, sort of double back and tell you how you become an organizer of the event. You 
you have to win the grand prize one year in order to become an organizer of the event. Um, Anyone who's on the organizing committee has won grand prize in the past. That's killer. Let's talk about yours. I made... um, I battered some oyster mushrooms. I was a vegetarian at the time and uh, deep fried those plus some potatoes I'd cut up into small chips. And we served that in a paper cone, as is the style I understand in the UK, um, as fish and chips. And we had tiny beer steins full of beer. So it was a complete meal in miniature. That's amazing. Where did you get tiny beer steins? Uh, The internet. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You'd be amazed at how, how many tiny um, service items you can find uh, on the internet. The competition is so stiff and people bring their game. People bring teams of 12 people work together. People plan for months. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of insane, uh, the level that the competitors have reached. And small foods, again, could be anything from a tiny uh, pulled pork sandwich, which is a very simple execution. It was just so delicious at one. Two, we had several years ago, a group of people got together and made an assembly line of tiny meals served in red paper cartons um, with a little tiny soda on the side, complete with a, a lid and tiny straw and they called them crappy meals. We have um, a woman who every single year she totally just brings it. Uh, She's done a complete French bakery in miniature. Mind you, she baked all the breads herself. um, formed the croissants herself. Um, She last year did an incredible tableau of um, tiny gingerbread houses, but she designed a scene for them, a snowy scene uh, in which they sat um, and that was her display on the table. Can you tell everyone about the Chinese takeout? Oh, yes. This was the winner last year, 2018. The group of people um, called themselves Panda Compress, and they made a complete uh, takeout assembly. So they had tiny paper boxes with uh, some sort of a new, uh, an Asian noodle dish. Uh, they had a little green tea station served in tiny cups. They had uh, the, the thing that really, I think, stole everyone's heart though was they handmade these tiny fortune cookies with fortunes inside and the fortunes were so small that you really could not read them with your eyes without a magnifying glass so of course they had a magnifying glass uh, station (laughs) set up there and uh, these are people we didn't uh, years ago it used to be that people who would do well at the event were often friends of ours but the event has sort of grown over the last number of years. And these are people I never knew. Nobody ever, nobody on our planning committee ever knew that they weren't friends of friends. One of the women on the team, I think she was, she spearheaded the effort while in medical school, I will say. (laughs) She's a member of the museum, which is hosting us now, the AVAM, the American Visionary Art Museum. And she learned about it through uh, their promotions. So, so the word's gotten out. Wow. So approximately how many people participate each year? We typically have between I'd say 100 and 150 chefs, and those chefs will often work on teams together. Wow. How long of an event is it? I mean, I would want to try them all. That's a lot. Sure. We typically may, I I think we probably average around 40 or 50 individual entries and sampling occurs 7 p.m. until, well, until people run out of food, which actually happens really quickly. You can imagine (laughs) tiny bits of food, you know, they go very quickly. Uh, We encourage our chefs to plan for 300 individual units, which is a lot of work. I know it's asking a lot. So so depending on how they pace, you know, their distribution, uh, typically we have food for maybe an hour and a half. Um, if, if things are planned and executed uh, 
moderately so that so that all the food doesn't go at once. Uh, but we close judging now, I think this year, maybe two hours after the event opens. Right on. And who are your judges and what are they basing their criteria on? Last year, we implemented an electronic judging system because it was, we used to be the organizing committee used to be the judges and it was so hard because uh, you have to first categorize every entry into one of our, I think we have seven categories. Now we added a couple last year and then present uh, the top three. We have to decide and agree on the top three in each category and then present those three to the audience. And then the audience chooses their favorite by applause. You can imagine as the events got bigger, that's gotten much harder to do. So um, now the attendees are the judges. So we have uh, an electronic judging system that one of our organizers developed and it it makes for a much smoother <laughs> night. Um, and, and the applause meter, you may be asking, well, how do you tell... <laughs> you know, that applause was good. So we have a, a, a man on our organizing committee who developed an applause and he's a programmer and he developed an applause meter for us so that we can be completely objective. That's fantastic. And so what are these guys competing for? What are the prizes? Mm, well, oh, I'm glad you asked. So each individual category has a trophy, which is designed and uh, prepared by the winners of the previous year's event. So this year, Panda Compress are uh, getting together and designing and making the, the trophies for each category. And one team will be chosen from the category winners for the grand prize. And the grand prize really is uh, what everyone covets, not only because you get the opportunity to help us organize, but you win a giant can of mini corn, um, which uh, the same <laughs> giant can of mini corn has been in circulation for now 14 years. And uh, it is embellished every year with some sort of design or something glued to it, stuck to it, built upon it. It's, it's looked a lot of different ways over the years. And uh, again, Panda Compress will uh, create some design with that giant can of mini corn. But I will tell you, you may be worried. What about <laughs> what happens to a giant, giant can of mini corn, which is sat on the shelf for 14 years? <laughs> but a number of years ago, one of our very sensible uh, winners, the grand prize winners, drained the can of corn. So now it's empty. Genius. <laughs> so, but it's still the original actual can of corn. And in addition to that, um, we have uh, an amazing assembly of sponsors every year. People within our community donate gift certificates to restaurants, to breweries, to uh, hair salons. There's, we have a soap company this year. So we have a giant batch of swag and we distribute that to the category and grand prize winners as we're able. Everybody goes home with something really sweet, um, depending on you know how we distribute the prizes. That is amazing. One thing that I, I'm so shocked, I think I'm reading this right. If I wanted to go as a non-competitor, is it $15? Is that it? It is. Yes, $15. That's nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I still get to sample all that little food. What a great <laughs> evening. <laughs> I always uh, warn people, though, don't come hungry. Right. I, um, <laughs> from my experience, going home full on a variety of tiny foods is one of the strangest sensations you can have <laughs> um, because you're eating sweet stuff and savory stuff. A number of years ago, we had a group. They did a presentation based on the series Hannibal, which I'm told is about Hannibal Lecter. It's a great series. Um, and <laughs> I heard this. And um, they were devotees. They had uh, costumes like blood 
spattered aprons. Like it was beautiful what oh. they did. And they actually incorporated food grade blood into their entry. Like you're going to eat, you may eat all sorts of strange things if you're open to it. Oh my gosh. And this is, um, this benefits a charity, right? That's right. Yeah. A number of years ago, um, we decided that we would take the next step and make it into a fundraiser for one of our favorite local charities, which is uh, called Movable Feast. And Movable Feast delivers meals and provides transportation aid to folks living with chronic or terminal illness. That is wonderful. Gosh, this competition slash celebration hits all of our favorite notes. This sounds like an amazing (laughs) event. I wish I was in Baltimore this weekend. (laughs) I do too. We'd love to see you. Maybe next year. But for folks who are in Baltimore, this is happening this Saturday. It'll be February 16th. Are there tickets sold? at the door or should they be buying them online? They should buy them online as soon as possible. I'll say right now we're sold out, but we do plan to release another bolus of tickets. We like to make sure that our chef to attendee ratio is appropriate for, you know, everybody going home reasonably strangely full. So we wait until we have (laughs) enough chefs to to release another bolus of tickets. So uh, you can stay tuned to our Facebook page for an announcement of that ticket release. And what is your website and Facebook page if people want to find you? The Facebook page is Small Foods Party and our website is smallfoodsparty.com. Autumn, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Of course. Thank you for reaching out, Kim. Wow. That's amazing. I want to I want to go to that. It's a good one. Yeah. The craftsmanship. You showed me the picture of the little uh, take, Chinese takeout. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. <laughs> People. What can't they do? Right? <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the two-legged horse world championships. I don't understand what those words mean together. What do you think of when I say two-legged horse? I think of a horse dressed in a suit wearing like pants standing up on his hind legs. <laughs> what do you think of? I can see that. He's probably like, he's probably a lawyer. Like, wow. Exactly. No, he's definitely wearing glasses. Yes. Oh, That's yes. for sure. Yes, sir. I, I, I do believe that's correct. Yes. <laughs> nay, not true. Nay, nay. <laughs> well, nay, Kim, that is not what this is. What is it? This is people. Huh? People. Okay. People are two-legged horses. Is it people a costume who, thing? Some costuming, but they act as horses. Do they, tell. They prance, they trot, they gallop. They do all the horse things. The competition is people who are using a... Hobby horse. What is a hobby horse? Hobby horse is also known as a stick horse, like a broomstick with a horse head on it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. These are adults running around with stick horses doing horse dances in fancy dress. They jump and they neigh and they prance. And it's French. And it's French. It's French. That just like classed it up 100%. (laughs) It really did. (laughs) Yes. So it's called, the official title, and I'm going to slaughter this French, is Championnat du Monde du Cheval à Tupats. That's fantastic. Which translates as the World Championship of Horse with Two Legs. That's the poor translation. Or Two-Legged World Horse Championship. I don't know which it is, but... It's a bunch of people. Wow. Running as horses. Yeah. Wow. With a yeah. stick between their legs and a horse head at the end of the stick. Right. Um, this is the very first year it's happened. Oh, okay. Yep. This is the first um, two-legged horse world championship. It was held at the Bocaz Aux which is an equestrian park in Herbers, France. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's H-E-R-B-I-E-R-S. 
So there were real horses watching this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, awesome. I didn't think about that part. Yeah. That is so awesome. The horses are watching like, eh, do we really look like that? That's just silly. What are they doing over Can there? Can you do that, Bob? <laughs> no. I should try that later. <laughs> <laughs> so this inaugural event brought 50 teams from around Europe. Nay, from around the world. Oh, good yes, one. thank you. Um, these teams were in fancy dress. Also, when you say fancy dress, for our one listener who doesn't know yet, right. that is uh, Rochambeau code for costumes. For costumes, Because yes. in our very first episode, we found out that in England, um, that's what they call costumes. Yeah, and I believe in France as well. Oh, fancy yeah, dress. They were calling it fancy dress here. So, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So what is fancy dress for a two-legged horse thing are they dressing like horses or other things some people there's so there's a bunch of teams right 50 teams um i look like they had a, between six and seven people and I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many people but the team would be dressed as a theme so i saw one that was clowns one that was um scottish guards so clowns riding horses clowns then. riding horses wow yeah. of course there's cowboys and indians there was you know, just a typical equestrian attire with the with the black hat and the mm-hmm. nicely dressed. Yep. Um, there's like a medical team. Yeah. So all sorts of <laughs> that's <weird>. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like doctors and nurses. Uh-huh. Yeah. Riding hobby horses. Riding riding hobby horses. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, there is oh there were scuba divers too. Huh. And carrots and fish and inmates. These are what I recall. Um, so at the event there are dressage. Dressage is, as you may know, the highest expression of horse training, where horse and rider are expected to perform from memory a series of predetermined movements. So there is prancing, there's skipping, there's uh, high stepping, you know, there's trotting, there's galloping, there's the sidewalking thing. The horse people out there are rolling their eyes at me right now, I'm sure, because they know what I'm talking about, but I'm slaughtering it. It's very impressive when the horses do it. And it's quite impressive when the two-legged horses do it as well. In addition to dressage, I think dressage is the big one. It's all synchronized, right? So the, the six people are doing this thing together around the... They're actually in a horse corral inside of a equestrian stable thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You, you look stunned. I am. <laughs> I am so rarely speechless. <laughs> this is a first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they do dressage. And I think it's like a three-minute thing for each team. Um, there's also jumping. So there's different heights of barriers to jump over on your hobby horse. Uh, so I saw only one person did it at a time. It looked like some of them were low, like about a foot, two, two foot high. And I think there was maybe a high jump thing. But one of the, maybe the most entertaining is the neighing competition. These people really get into it. Like uh, I watched a couple of videos and people, their heads are shaking, their lips are flapped. They're <laughs> men and women. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. All right, people, check it out. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's one guy who does it in us. They show him doing it in slow-mo and his lips are flapping. And again, the horses are watching us going, do we sound like that? <laughs> that's kind of silly. So the event celebrates spirit, creativity, humor, and family. And and what? Family. How? Because there's a lot of kids there watching it. That does not mean that it celebrates family. Hey, that's what the video said. <laughs> so I'm going with it. All right. All right. So you may be wondering where this came from. I can see that in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're looking at me like, where did this come from, Ted? Why? Tell me about the origins. I of... think I think the word why is right, just right. swirling around in my head a lot. Well, I'm going to take a guess here and say that they stole this idea 
borrowed it or we're paying homage to Finland. Because in Finland, it is a really large trend right now of young women mostly doing hobby horses. They have their own competitions. But um, recent estimates say as many as 10,000 youths are into hobby horsing. Wow. 10,000 young ladies are, they make their own horses. So they learn the craftsmanship of that, the sewing and that. They do, they enjoy the athletic portion of it, right? Um, I even read about people like would go out into the woods with their hobby horse and prance around and it's a good stress reliever um, and good exercise. It's that's like a great. big thing. Yeah, that's it's awesome. That's just great. Yeah, they have this thing. That's great. It's wonderful. Uh, they also have competitions. At their last competition in 2017, the last one I saw anyways, they had 200 participants. Yeah, so it's big over there. Yeah, and I'm assuming spectators come and watch. Yeah, for sure. Sure, very supportive by the family and uh, friends and all that. Really cool. Neat. So, you know, hobby horsing, two-legged horses. There you have it. <laughs> Very cool. Good find, Ted. Thank you. I thought you'd enjoy that one. Right. This is one people you can do at home. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Go find a broom, prance around, send us a video. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would love to see that. Yes, please. Yes. So we hope you like this new format. We're trying it out. If you like it, let us know at rochambeaupodcast.com. Uh, you can drop us an email there which is rochambeaupodcast at gmail.com. Yes, it is. Or our social media, Instagram and Facebook, Podcast, and both of those suckers. And that's what we have for this week. Fantastic. Thank you to Cadillac Jones for letting us use your music. Thank you to Autumn for taking the time to chat with us about the small foods party. And thank you to um, the internet for giving me this information. <laughs> oh, and we still are doing the world's funniest laugh competition more details to come shortly but people out there get ready get ready with your best laugh (laughs) fabulous till next time people goodbye All right, what does that mean, worm charming? Well, worm charming is... What the heck is worm charming, you ask? Sure. Sure, because that's what my script says.